2: blue wire Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. joined as always by my co-host Nick Philato. The Giants season is over. We've wrapped up the all 22 film coverage, but we've got a lot to cover over the next several months. Free agency, the draft, the offseason that will shape this regime under Dave Gettleman. Um, Joe Judge is here to stay, we believe. We'll figure that out more. As we see him coach more, but as far as the actual front office goes, this is a turning point for them. They must produce next year. It can't be six wins. You're competing for a division, but you only win six games and four against a crappy division, and the other ones against Burles Bengals. No, no, they're set up this off season to go out there and get the pieces necessary to compete next year. For my opinion, they should be competing for the Super Bowl. If, they, if by year five, or I'm sorry, by year four of a regime, you should be competing for a Super Bowl. Otherwise. You should feel like you can compete for a Super Bowl at the end of next year. And otherwise, you got to consider moving on. But it's going to be a big off season. We're excited for this. But we wanted to kick things off during this dead time, before any news actually breaks, with a mailbag show. Because we know you guys have talked in the past about how you like the mailbag show. And I'd like to hear questions from the listeners, get feedback from the listeners, interact with the listeners. We want to make this show not just us talking to you, but us talking with you. That's always been a goal of mine since day one. That's the banter part of it. So before we do any of that, Nick, there's a little Giants news to get to, some of which we'll cover in the questions. But I guess the big thing now is Joe Judge went on the fan, had a pretty interesting interview. I would say here's my two key takeaways and let's hear your point. One, he reiterated the importance of Patrick Graham and how they wanted to make sure he was locked up right now both Graham and Judge are the only two coaches in the building still working they're still they're not done they're not done they haven't turned the page Judge mentioned he they're looking at free agents which I find interesting he's starting to poke around at free agents and then Judge also said with regards to the offense he thinks they're going to have to do a lot of self coaching self scouting of the coaching I did think that was interesting that he mentioned that so we'll see what happens there on the offensive side of the ball all signs point to Jason Garrett returning, but that's no guarantee. If Garrett gets a job, a head coach job, he'll obviously be gone. Otherwise, I still think it's likely that he returns, but I don't think it's impossible to say that they might have a new coordinator. That still remains up in the air. I would lean heavily toward their bringing Garrett back, but what do you make of, the? I guess, those two comments from Judge?
3: When you're 31st in offense, I think, in yardage, you have to self-scout yourself to see why your team struggled. I also think the offensive line situation in the midseason probably has something to do with that. The fact that the offensive line hit a an ability to where they were executing well and they were able to establish the run, yet their coach ends up flying off the handle. Mark Colombo goes and Googs comes in, and you're like, well, what's exactly going on? And then we saw the offensive line struggle a little bit against Arizona down the stretch, but overall they played solid down the stretch to me what I take away from that is just we can always get better there's there's never a time to be complacent and we can always find ways in this downtime the offseason to maximize the personnel that we already have in the building while we're going to bring in people through free agency we're going to bring in people through the draft but we need to better ourselves I just think it's more self-scouting just in general for the betterment of the team and I think that comes from Belichick I think that's what every coach should be doing and I like the fact that Joe Judge is preaching that
2: Yeah, no doubt. And then how about with regards to his comments
3: on Patrick Graham? Patrick Graham, I mean, he's going to be poised to be a head coach probably in the next coming seasons. You could see what he did with a unit that has talent but does have some glaring holes and how he was able to scheme around those holes. I think the assistant head coach tag is going to be good for him, and I think having him in the building working with Joe Judge, who was a young coach in and himself, is only going to build continuity between them and allow Patrick Graham to develop to become a head coach in the future, just kind of a testament to how hard working Graham is as a defensive coordinator. And I think it can't be understated how important and imperative it was for Patrick Graham to come back to the New York giants. Cause I mean, look at this defense, man. Yeah, they have some holes, but there's still a lot of young guys on this defense. And then you have enough veteran leaders like Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, and Logan Ryan. And we're not really sure what's happening with Leonard Williams at Dalvin Tomlinson, but the youth there is still a, a solid foundation to be built upon especially with somebody who knows how to utilize them and that's what Patrick Graham is he's somebody who knows how to utilize the personnel of the Giants to maximize that defense in general
2: yeah agreed and I don't think that's going to change much moving forward I think you give him more pieces and he'll do an even better job before we dive into some of the questions from our mailbag I did want to give a shout out to those of you who took the time to not only rate subscribe and download to us on iTunes but to give us a review um, there's been a lot of you who poured in with reviews. We're still trying to hit that 500 mark. We're at 452, which is awesome. Um, Sam, the Giants fan, left us one recently. Thank you. Leave the Bob M- Bob X 45 It seems like a bunch flew in at once. I feel like iTunes had held them held us, <laughs> held them back for whatever reason. But we had like 75 come in. So thank you to all of you who did that. I did say that we're going to read some of these off on the podcast. Maybe we'll do it at the end if we have time. But we do want to dive into the mailbag because there are a lot of questions so let's start this one off victor friend of the show whose daughter actually he told me recently was debating wisconsin or ohio state and she chose ohio state not happy with her decision victor still a fan of yours and i do plan to support her in her endeavors at ohio state she'll be i think marching with ohio state marching band which is pretty cool but no offense victor i will never root for the buckeyes But Victor says, hello, boys. What is the impact of a change at OC if it happens? We hear it's a big deal to change a system. Aren't all OCs calling mostly the same plays? Shouldn't any new OC just focus on plays that Daniel Jones excels at?
3: Yeah, there are a lot of plays uh, that are applied to basically all of the NFL teams. They all run similar concepts, but it's really about terminology. It's about when they call the plays how they call the plays and it's a lot about what happens in the pre-snap portion of a play what motions to to kind of give you as an offense an opportunity to see what the defense is doing what their intent is and then once you know what the defense is doing that's more than half the battle right there then you know what the routes are so you have an automatic advantage off the defense so Yes, a lot of people run the same plays, but it's not that simple, especially in terms of the terminology and shouldn't any new offensive coordinator just focus the plays that DJ excels at? I mean yes, but defenses are going to adjust to that as well, so it's not just necessarily the what he excels at you need to come up with a, a foundational game plan to take advantage of the defense in general and defensive coordinators are just as good as offensive coordinators they know how to stop you they know how to stop what you want to do they know what successes Daniel Jones has or the running game has and they're going to do everything in their power to stop that so it's basically a game of chess at that point and that's really what you're kind of fighting against
2: yeah I think Nick hit the nail on the head I think ultimately there's a little bit too much made of oh he has his third offensive system or second offensive system in two years and he has to change offensive system because I think it takes these guys especially the smarter ones and Daniel Jones you know all signs point to him being a high IQ quarterback. They can pick up the new terminology pretty fast, especially as they expect to move forward this offseason, we hope, with a normal training camp and a normal OTAs and a normal process in general. I think it's more likely that he could, if he if he were to, if the Giants were to change coordinators, pick up a new system. And ultimately, Jones had to pick up a new system in his rookie year coming from Duke. Pat Shermer did a lot of the things that were successful for him at Duke, He was much more inclined to fit his system, in my opinion, around Jones than I think Garrett was, but at the same time, it's not like he had any advantage there just because he's moving to, you know, Pat Schirmer's system from David Cutcliffe's at Duke. So I think ultimately where offensive coordinators set themselves apart is, one, with their play calling, with situational play calling, two, with their route combinations, but again, that just kind of goes back to situational play calling because like you said, Nick, and like it's pretty common knowledge. A lot of these coordinators are running similar concepts in the passing game in the run game um you know some teams lean heavily specifically on power and gap in the run game others lean heavily on inside zone we've seen that year after year but this but there there isn't some kind of magic you know plan that a different that a coordinator is going to use that someone else is not using and there's no they're not going to reinvent the wheel but at the same time i think situational play calling plays a key role in all this so i hope that answered your question i think we both kind of Touched a little bit on it. I don't know if that specifically answers it. Do you have anything else to add, Nick?
3: I would say that I I believe continuity does go a long way, and I do feel like having Daniel Jones in his second year in this system, there's definitely a lot of good that can come out of that. I I do believe that. I think Jason Garrett's going to look himself in the mirror. I don't know how much the system's going to— change from an implementation of stick route and how he utilizes the passing game but I think he can do a better job getting the most out of these weapons now that he fully knows what they can and can't do and I think Saquon Barkley can help all of that as well I honestly think and I know like if the Giants try this this could just be a whole nother Mark Colombo situation but if the Giants were to bring in a passing game coordinator that would really help what the Wow, that's the next question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just just
2: found it funny because Nick actually jumped the gun here. The Literally, literally the next question from our friend of the show, Joseph Bar- Joe Barden is, hey guys, credit to Art Stapleton for suggesting it, but how would you guys feel about a passing game corner like San Fran had? Do you think that would help this offense and its creativity at all?
3: I absolutely think that that would most certainly help the entire offense. That would help the running game even because then you could have a more balanced attack. People don't have to focus so much on your – Running game or stopping your run or whatever when Saquon Barkley does come back, if you have a really solid and competent passing attack. So I would love that personally, but this would have to also be somebody Jason Garrett's comfortable with, somebody Jason Garrett knows. And I don't want Jason Garrett, or I'm sure he doesn't want himself to feel like he's being, they're bringing him in because he can't do his job, which I don't know, fans don't care about that. I don't necessarily care about that, but that could lead to, uh, You could say issues in the locker room, something like that. So it'd have to be handled well, it'd have to be handled with care. But I definitely think it would help. Yeah, it's an
2: interesting thought. I think it's, I'm not, I would never debate that, you know, if they went, continuity doesn't help. It'll obviously help your offense if you're a second year in a system. I guess for me, it would just be, the question would just come down to what's more important? A second year continuity in a system that I don't, I don't wanna say is broken, but I think is lacking in a lot of key areas. Or getting in a system that is really good in a lot of key areas that this current one is deficient in, and maybe you know you don't have the continuity, you lose that, but you add a lot of different things like, you know, just a lot of the way. The, my main my main gripes with Garrett's offense. I put this on Twitter. One, what la- way lack of pre snap motion and misdirection. Yeah, absolutely. Two, th- stuff we talked about in the previous podcasts. Not enough Mills concept. Not enough putting defenders and specifically safeties in conflicts on route combinations down the field. Three just general spacing issues that they have in the passing game for whatever reason there's multiple reasons for that but general spacing issues and then four would also be like not enough of what i let not they didn't do and he doesn't do enough of what daniel jones not only was successful with with Shermer, but literally all he ran at duke he ran so much shotgun at duke there's they, unfortunately in my mind it should It's not unfortunately in my mind this should be more of a shotgun based offense it has to be and that we'll see with saquon barkley and and back in the mix i think that can help them in that in that way but more of a 11 personnel open the field type of offense and then finally i just think situational play calling for garrett has you know lacked in a lot of ways way too many second and long run calls just the worst there's nothing worse in football than calling a second and run uh second and long run it's been you know documented over time through through just analytics and stati- analytics is a word people don't like but literally statistics show that you're not the, the the pod like the average gain you can get on that from running the ball is nowhere near what you can get from such a variety of passes you don't have to just chuck it downfield you can run screen game you can run short mesh you can run a you can throw a you know, a quick curl in the flat. There's multiple ways to get more yardage on that down. And then finally, the red zone. I mean, I don't know who you blame the red zone for, but the Giants are one of the worst passing teams in the red zone. And you can't win in the NFL if you're not efficient passing the ball in the red zone. You just can't do it. It's impossible to do. Unless you, I mean, you could do it if you have a really big play offense, but the Giants obviously right now don't have that. So, you know, it's an interesting question, um, but I think a passing game coordinator would help. I agree with you on that.
3: All right, Dan. Marcel asks who is your ideal offensive coordinator if Garrett does end up leaving also with Barkley's knee in flux wouldn't it be wise to invest in a late round running back any ideas on guys you like after round let's say five love the podcast hashtag
2: big blue banter thanks Marcel I would start by saying my ideal coordinator and this is somebody who I mentioned last year before any of the hoopla and then I haven't really talked about him much and somebody on Twitter and I'm now forgetting and I apologize for not giving you the shout out you deserve asked me about how I felt about him and it came right back to my mind and that's Joe Moorhead the former Penn State offensive coordinator who was the coordinator there when Saquon Barkley was there and with Trace McSorley me envisioning that style of offense that he ran at Penn State with Barkley back in the backfield for the Giants and with Daniel Jones who is basically in my mind a bigger faster stronger better armed version of trace mcsorley in all ways he's more he's he's got better tools than mcsorley but he can do a lot of those same things that made mcsorley so successful in that penn state system moorhead obviously got the head coaching job in mississippi state it didn't work out it's hard to work it's hard to work in the sec as a coach it's a really tough gig you have to win immediately and you're going against the best talent in the nation since then he's went over and he's become the offensive coordinator for oregon that was only he's only had one season there but i loved watching his offense at Penn State and I think his system would be such a perfect fit for the personnel the Giants have to kind of give them just that immediate spark because I do believe the right offensive system can turn this offense completely around. I'm much bigger believer that uh, the reason this offense was 31st this year in points and in all the metrics there that that they were 31st or near the bottom league and had mostly to do with coaching it's my personal opinion on it I mean everybody can think of their own thing the offensive line played a role Daniel Jones played a role the lack of receiver you know talent or some might say played a role injury to Barkley played a role all those are factors but ultimately I think the system was the biggest factor so I would love to see someone like Moorhead how about you Nick
3: I think Moorhead's a solid choice for sure I think Jay Gruden's name gets thrown around I know he runs a lot more I believe he runs a lot more zone type of running plays, not as much power gap, which is something I don't necessarily want to stray away from. I think the power gap, I think yeah. they found something with the personnel they have on the offensive line. But I'm willing to consider a lot of things. And like I said, several times in the past, Jason Garrett comes back. I don't think it's the end of the world. I do believe that the offense doesn't necessarily maximize, at least it didn't in this year. But Hopefully with the offensive line more stabilized, it it will be able to function at a higher rate. I I agree with a lot of the concerns that you do have, but I do see value in the continuity like we've said so many times. As for the running backs, and I don't really have any other like huge offensive coordinators in my mind right now. I, I could probably do research on that. I don't want to just jump and start naming people, but Gruden and Moorhead were the two that came to my mind. As for the running backs, I don't have anybody, to be honest, because I haven't di- dove into the tape of any late-round running backs. I'm just getting to the tape. Like, I know how like, Travis Etienne is obviously a stud. You know Najee Harris is obviously a stud. But in terms of late-round guys, it would be a little bit disingenuous if I, if I gave you a name right now.
2: Yeah, I feel the same I think throughout this, at least this edition of the mailbag, it's we're we're unlikely to give you specifics on draft prospects. We both need a lot more time to work through these prospects to give you our honest answers. But I will say to your actual question and to the concept, yeah, the Giants should be drafting a running back on day 3. Now, They only have a few picks on day three because they've traded some away. What they really need to do, more important than anything in this draft, is acquire more day three picks. If you look at last year, it's no coincidence the Giants hit on a few of those day three guys because they had six day three picks. That's big time, and that gives you more chances to take swings. You're not going to hit on all them. That's not the point. The point of the game, the goal of the game, is to give yourself more chances, and then you hit on a few. So I hope the Giants are aware of what worked so well last year the cluster drafting they did at the linebacker positions finding a guard who can play he may not be the best but he can play in the fifth round you know all the players they acquired on day three with all those swings that they had those extra chances I hope they do that
3: again and I hope one of those players is a running back for sure that'd be great Dan old friend Stevie Bob from the great state of Colorado Do you think he think he knows where South Park is
2: I think he does, and he didn't even put in that. I actually ad-libbed the great state of Colorado because I looked at old friend Stevie Bob's picture, his uh, Twitter profile picture, and it's him and his lovely family at a park. It looks like a national park. or just It might not be. Colorado is such a ridiculously beautiful state. It really is. By the way, my favorite state by far in the United States, Colorado, and it's such a ridiculously beautiful state that he could be anywhere in that state and the background could actually look like it does in his Twitter profile.
3: Which is pretty amazing, isn't it? Anyways, enjoy South Park, old friend Stevie Bob. All right, Dan, I agree with your stated philosophy of building from the inside out, but you don't seem to apply it to the offense and defense evenly. You seem to value cornerbacks way over wide receivers. Why is that? And do you agree with the PFF philosophy of offense being more valuable than defense?
2: Great questions. I love these kind of questions. I'll start with the first one. Why do I value cornerbacks over receivers? And for me, the answer is pretty simple. I can give you a lot of words, but it's mostly just position scarcity. It's the depth of wide receivers in the NFL across those uh, against those guys who can actually cover them. And it's so much harder to find guys that can cover than it is to find guys that can get open and catch the ball. Now, as far as PFF's philosophy of offense being more valuable in defense, I, of course, believe in that. And John Breach from CBS Sports actually did an article recently that showed over the last five or six seasons, the only teams... That won the super bowl are the teams that were the best offenses and the, the final four i believe i believe every year it's the final four three of every four teams had a top five offense so in this league nowadays and we'll see it again this year the the super bowl will most likely be in my opinion buffalo versus green bay or green bay versus kansas city and both of those te- all three of those teams have elite offenses this year so there's a reason why offense is being valued more than d i think the key reason for me at least is that it's much harder to have a successful offense than it is a successful defense i think we saw this year with what patrick graham did with in my opinion mediocre at best ingredients and a crazy amount of injuries at key positions like edge inside backer, safety and despite all of that corner he was dealt you know no baker he was told before the season no beal despite all that he coaxed out a really good defense i don't see that being the case as much on offense if you don't have a quarterback you're not gonna have a great offense in my mind so it is what it is but i agree with pff on that
3: yeah as do i i think offense is where the game is all the rules support the offense Mm. and then go against the defense and i i don't know where i fall on offensive or defensive guy i mean i was an offensive coach in college but like i have this like strong affinity for the defense like i really love defensive football and defensive x's and o's so i I don't really like the fact that everything supports the offense (laughs) in the rules i I really don't and it's kind of odd to say that but I, i just don't but matthew Ertz asks what, if anything, most concerns you about Joe Judge after year one? I like him, but I'm concerned that he'd rather hire people he's comfortable with than find the best person. The Giants are such an insular organization, and I fear Judge has the same tendency. Hashtag Big Blue It's an interesting
2: question, Matthew. I think what you'll find is that most coaches like to hire people they're comfortable with and familiar with. Remember, this is like any other job. It's like if you've been on an interview and you kill the interview and you get out of the interview and you're like, I didn't even say all the impressive things i did i didn't even have to that interview went so well just with them getting to know me and sometimes that's how it works in not only your world in our world whatever business whatever profession you might be in whatever profession we might be in but also in the nfl world if you hire someone you want to know that you can get along with them you want to know that you can uh, communicate well with them be comfortable communicating with them be comfortable i'm sorry with them be comfortable working with them this is just how the real world works. You have to hire people that you can work with, and it just can't be the most qualified person. And I think that that's fine for me. If you ask me what my number one concern with judge is, it's it's in game conservatism. Uh, it's been an, it's been my concern with judge since early in the season. I'm just not a big believer in punting and fourth and short situations on the in the opponent's territory. I understand it's situational based to some in some people's minds, and I get it. You know, you think that you have your defense, you can rely on them, but ultimately there are times where you're really playing with fire when you when you make these decisions to punt in those situations and sometimes it will work out but sometimes when it doesn't work out it's like well if we were just a little bit more aggressive we might have had a chance to actually win the game not play to not lose the game and so that would be my only concern my main concern with him
3: to to kind of challenge that a little bit I'd say that down the stretch of the season he he got better with that and then you look at the Browns game it's like well if they actually did maybe kick the field goals. Maybe the game could have been a little bit different. I don't think so, because I think the Browns are just a much better team with Colt McCoy as
0: the quarterback. Of We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: the Giants in that game but he did show some cojones if you will down the stretch and went for it in a couple different situations I think it was somewhat situational based I think there was like one or two times on the podcast where I was like yeah I think I probably would have went for it there but I know you and I disagreed a couple different times on on uh, punting in certain situations throughout the year we've got a question from NYG fan 3
2: Not, in my mind, the most unique user handle. Maybe you got to work on that, my friend. Nah, I'm just messing with you. You can have whatever you want as your user handle. That's the fun about Twitter. But before we get to your question, NYGFan3, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors.
3: I want to know what happened to NYGFan1 and 2, though. It's a very good question. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know, since you're a real person doing real stuff
1: According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash bluewire. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com bluewire. Indeed.com slash bluewire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com/join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com/join. Okay, MYG Fan
2: 3 says in my opinion, our three biggest needs are edge, wide receiver, and cornerback. Rank those needs in your own order and add a fourth if you think one fits better.
3: Well, I would say edge is probably the biggest need as well, but I don't. I see a lot of people on Twitter going back and forth. The Giants need to draft an edge at 11, and I don't think that's the way you go about it. I don't think you draft for positional needs. You draft the best player available and someone who can help your team the best and I don't know if there's necessarily an edge rusher who can do that and I haven't gotten to Gregory, Gregory Rousseau's tape yet I've watched a little bit of Quidi Pay from Michigan and there's a couple other ones I really want to get to the kid from Georgia I really want to get to I want to get to the linebacker from Notre Dame who has some pass rushing upside and there's also I think a kid from Texas I haven't watched yet but I don't think we the Giants should definitely draft an edge there at 11 by any means nor should they draft one in the second round either if there's not somebody who is up to the standard for what Dave Gettleman thinks they're great is what what have you. As for the wide receiver and cornerback, I think they're both definitely a need. I think getting a cornerback, and if they did go cornerback at eleven, Caleb Farley eh, or a Patrick Sertan, I don't think that's the biggest need, but I think that offers your defense such an opportunity to play man coverage because both of those guys, from what I've seen of them, are really good at man coverage as well. I think that would give Patrick Graham. A, lot of versatility to run a lot of different kind of coverages, which would really be awesome to see. And again, man, James Bradbury, they the Giants having James Bradbury on the field really allowed them to do so much on the backside of wherever James Bradbury was. He was such an important part. And if you had somebody that was even comparable, obviously not up to speed with James Bradbury, but somewhat comparable to him and not Isaac Yitem then the defense, it it really allows you to do so many different unique things. And for the wide receiver, I think the Giants have to add a wide receiver, whether that be free agency or at pick 11. I think the Giants shouldn't go into the season with Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard as their one-two punch at wide receiver. So I think they're all needs. For a fourth need, I still think you can invest in this offensive line. I think that's definitely something you can do. And you can look at maybe upgrading linebacker next to Blake Martinez. Yeah, I think
2: as far as ranking these as biggest needs it kind of depends what you're asking so if you're saying what position that if it hits its ceiling I think can upgrade the Giants biggest to me it would actually be cornerback over receiver for all the reasons Nick's just stated I also am a little bit more comfortable with this receiver core than most people are I think there's talent with both Pettis and Mack that people aren't realizing or you know that people just don't think about as much because they're not very flashy versus corner where you have love and i'm a little bit intrigued by love but outside of love i don't have much there that i'm really intrigued by to play man coverage to give patrick graham all the things that nick just broke down and then finally edge for me the reason why i had it ranked so high on my initial list of needs is because of the depth because one, they cannot count on Lorenzo Carter coming off an Achilles. Achilles is known to sap athleticism and ruin athletes' careers in the NFL. Will he be an outlier? I hope so. I hope he can come back and same have that same twitch, that same burst off of that Achilles, but it is far from a guarantee. You have O'Shane who's largely unproven, Fackrell, who will see what they do with if they want to resign him or not. But they need depth there. You cannot have a situation like they had in that Baltimore game where david mayo is lining up on the edge you just can't have that at the nfl level and the only way to get rid of that is by adding depth at the position so for me the ranking would probably be based on depth one edge but that doesn't mean again i would take an again like nick said i'm not drafting positions at 11 i'm drafting best player available that a hopefully a one fits one of the needs and two b is at a position that's important a position that makes a big difference in wins and losses aka not running back and in my mind not idl um, so I would probably rank them edge corner receiver but I would say this right tackle to me remains one of my biggest needs right tackle is right up there I, have to, I would have a big four not a big three because if the Giants just trot into next year with Parrot and I guess Fleming they can resign or like someone of Fleming's level because everybody wants if any tackle hits the market and has any kind of skill set every team wants him basically there's almost no team who wouldn't want a swing tackle so that's still a position where that killed them in a lot of spots if you look at the tape right tackle was a key area that killed the giants throughout 2020 more so in my opinion at times than receiver corner and even edge because again remember as nick's talked about and we both talked about patrick graham does an excellent job scheming pressure and that leaves you less reliance on edge overall
3: yeah i would say edge wide receiver corner but i don't think it's as far off i think you and i pretty have similar mindsets. something about patrick graham's defense that i wanted to bring up dan we talked about how they have multiple fronts, and we've seen it all throughout the season. He come out, he c- came out in many different t- types of fronts, used different types of edge rushers, and we saw David Mayo and Jabal Sheard come in because they were really good against the run, and that's what he wanted. But we haven't seen Patrick Graham with a true edge rusher yet, and... It wouldn't change the entirety of the defense, but could you imagine those third and eight situations where you need to get home? What kind of front would he employ there? Where would he line up Leonard Williams? All these questions kind of come through my mind if he did have somebody who was a true number one pass rusher on the edge. And we have not seen that quite yet. And the allure of it actually gets me pretty excited. But yeah. I just don't see it at eleven quite yet, maybe in the film. When I when we dive into some of these prospects a little bit more, maybe somebody will really jump off the page. But as of right now, just from like pre draft notions and stuff like that, and from what you hear from people who are a little bit in tune for the draft since we've been covering the Giants for so long doesn't seem like that guy's there.
2: Yeah, and even if it's not there at 11, it could potentially be there with free agents like Matthew Judon, free agents like Bud Dupree, maybe. That would be something we'd have to look more into as free agency gets here. I think it's really hard to find edges in general in the NFL. It's one of the scarcest positions. It's why, you know, when a player like Chase Young comes along, that's why there was so much fanfare around that pick because it's at one of the scarcest positions and a position that makes such a big difference. I think what Nick said is true. If Patrick Graham had a really good one-on-one pass rusher on the edge to use in conjunction with leonard williams on third and long situations it would take this defense to the next level the the question is though how do you find them they're very hard to find in in both the draft and they're even harder to find in free agency because no team's really letting them go when they are lucky enough to draft them and to locate them in the draft now it's not impossible. A couple years ago, when the Giants selected Dexter Lawrence, one pick before them, the Panthers found Brian Burns, a guy who I thought was completely slept on in the draft process. I had it published that he was, I think, my sixth rated player on that whole board. Loved his tape, loved his intangibles, and how he bent the edge and how he got around the edge with Burst. He's been an amazing player. He's had some injuries, but when on the field, he's been a difference maker off the edge. So it's not impossible to get a guy as late as 11 but we just haven't taken the time yet we it's way too soon after the season to study pay and and rousseau and it doesn't really seem like anyone else has jumped into that mix just yet but we'll let you know as we work through it
3: absolutely so then we have enter name here dan now that is a creative name (laughs) i love that did you guys see that andrew thomas is having surgery on his ankle think it might explain some of his deficiencies and are you guys confident in him playing like the second half of the year into the future or do you think he will struggle
2: yeah it is interesting to mention that he did have surgery on his ankle successful surgery already had it he said it's an issue that's been bothering him since training camp and he's played through it that speaks to his toughness for sure not something that either of us questioned anyway uh, as far as does it explain some of his deficiencies i don't know that would be something i don't think that either nick or i could answer i think that's something only andrew can answer and so i don't want to speak really anything on that because i don't think we have that kind of insight but i will say this as far as you know Are you guys confident in him playing like the second half of the year into the future? I am. I am completely confident that Andrew Thomas will be not only play like he played in the second half, potentially even better because this is a guy who's still really young, who works really hard, and who's smart. And from everything we keep hearing, takes really well to coaching, which I think is really important. That was a big issue for Eric Flowers during his time with the Giants. He did not take well to coaching. He kind of felt like they were against him, even though they're just trying to help him. And so, right now, I would say that if you look at this entire roster, you base it on skill set, and then kind of you also factor in the improvement they put on tape in the season, Andrew Thomas is by far and away the Giants' best prospect on this roster, in my opinion. And it's not even close, especially when you factor in the importance of the left tackle position. So, I think he will continue in that direction as an incredible prospect and I think we're going to see the we haven't seen the best of Thomas
3: no we definitely haven't seen the best of Thomas I think the future is going to be very bright for that left tackle and the fact that he was injured Dan said it we can't really weigh in on it but there's there's no way it helped we could say that much. <laughs> exactly
2: all right Stephen Gomez asks now with Logan Ryan locked up for three years Xavier McKinney blossoming and Julian Love seemingly competent on the outside plus Bradbury Darnay Holmes Is it possible with new additions also
3: coming this offseason, we could see the resurgence of a stacked NYPD? I do. I do believe that this could happen. And not just because of personnel, but because of Patrick Graham and how he knows how to utilize this personnel. I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, I don't know if you want to say that the defenses that won the Super Bowl were necessarily NYPD, but having Steve Spagnola there to diversify those coverages disguise them pre to post snap and then utilize trap coverage to force quarterbacks into some baited throws and some baited mistakes yeah i mean i think that this could be but i do think you're going to really need to shore up that second corner because you can't have any liabilities in that coverage
2: yeah i think nick's on to something there for sure and for those who don't know nypd refers to new york giants or new york Pass defense it came along actually during the 2016 season when janoris jenkins was having that career year And everything kind of came together for that Giants 2016 defense, which was a dominant unit, really, because the offense didn't offer much. I'm with Nick. I don't think you could—I personally don't think you could ever have too many guys in the secondary. I love investing in the secondary. To me, it's how defenses win these days. You look at Baltimore. You look at what we've talked about on the podcast, what Baltimore, Miami, and, and, and New England have done there in the secondary. It really makes a difference. So I definitely think that we could see the best Giants secondary we've seen in a really long time depending on some of the additions they make say they go corner at 11 you're looking at a really talented secondary and that even includes guys who we don't really know much about we don't know if Sam Beal can come back and take a big jump in Patrick Graham's system so definitely something to keep an eye on Los NFL who is a fan from another country I'm not exactly sure which I made the mistake of not writing that down, so don't kill us Los NFL but he asks a good question here as the train rolls by and the conductor Slams that horn to Nick's dismay. He says, "Spitball some reading material or sources for those you for those of us trying to get our football knowledge to the next level, specifically on route combinations and coverage schemes."
3: I have the perfect book for you, low NFL. It's Steve Axman's "Attacking Coverages with the Passing Game." On the cover, it's a picture of Terrell Pryor from his Ohio State days i think that's a really good place to start it's very very simplistic you can kind of skip around it's it's dry material but you can skip around it has a lot of illustrations to kind of help uh kind of let you guys know if, if you are new to football what exactly they're talking about it's a very very easy kind of read i think the pass coverage glossary by cameron soren that's a little bit more complex and that's towards the defensive side so if you guys are defensive football fans that's a solid book to purchase and then the afca books the coaching books Now they have a bunch of different type of material in there and the material can be dry, but if you want to learn specific things or you hear stuff we reference on the podcast and you want to look it up, those books, they have an offensive book, they have a defensive book, they're several hundred pages and they're big, they're really wide. And they're very long so they'll probably be mentioned in there so those are some i would say reading materials that you can definitely invest in but the one i would start with for what you're asking for is definitely axman's attacking coverages with the passing game
2: yeah so just to go over that it's steve axman attacking coverages with the passing game and then if you want to take it a step further the pass coverage glossary by cameron soren so those are your books take them home Buy them on Amazon, whatever you got to do. And if that's how you want to – if that's what you want to do and you want to learn football to the next level, those are great resources to do. But
3: I also will say this. You don't have to go out and buy books because there is so much great information online. Yes. If you follow people like – Matt Bowen, who I think works for ESPN now, he does a bunch of different great things in terms of coverages. And if you just go to YouTube and you watch YouTube videos, and I know they're a little dry, it's long, but I, I'll, you can ask Dan, I go through and I'll just watch videos of Nick Saban talking about several coverages. you learn so much because those guys are excellent teachers. There's one of Tony Dungy that I watched years ago that had a bunch of great information. So you can definitely get stuff on those platforms as well.
2: F-U-C-K-RONA Asks and I apologize to any dads out there or moms who are playing this in their family room and whose kids can spell. I do apologize, but hopefully they can't. If the top corner in the draft falls to the Giants at 11, would you guys feel comfortable taking them at that pick? I know edge and wide receiver class is very deep this year, and I wonder if they will choose to use free agency in later rounds for those specific positions.
3: F-U-C-K-Rona, is that French? <laughs> I'm, not really, I'm not really sure. But I would be comfortable, I think, taking them. Now, again, I want to preface this by saying that I have not gotten to the film yet I've watched plenty of Alabama games from what I see from Patrick Sertan he seems like a really competent quarterback but I really want to dive into the film to say it. but as for the positional value I, I would I would like that everything I've heard about Farley and Sertan has been positive but I do want to get my own eyeballs on it
2: yeah I think I would echo Nick I'm not going to really give any kind of definitive answer here until I study the entire class it's depends how i view that top corner if i view him as a top five or top 10 prospect i'm gonna be clamoring at the bit to get him there i'm gonna hope he's falling there and i'm of course comfortable with it i am not drafting for position if i was a gm i'm literally just drafting the best possible prospect who hope not hopefully who also fits not only a position of need but again a position of value in the nfl a position that makes a difference the biggest difference on wins and losses
3: yes rza asks hey guys how you
2: for those who don't know that's rizza
3: Really, like the Rizza, the Chizza, really? I did not know that. Anyways, he asks or she, "Hey guys, it's a he. How unique is Graham? Looks like Dan is best friends with this person. Well,
2: you don't know who the Rizza is. No,
3: I have absolutely. I'm assuming this is the Rizza. Oh, you think it's the Rizza? I think it's the Rizza. Oh, he listens to Big Blue Banter. Yeah, I think he listens to Big Blue Banter. (laughs) I'm very very happy about that. (laughs) Lynn. Hey guys. How unique is Graham's plug-and-play scheme? He seems like the Shanahan version of defensive coordinators. Would it be worth taking some fairly big cap hit to give him an aggressive extension if... Well, we already... The Giants already extended him and gave him the head coaching position, so he's going to be staying.
2: And just so, so you know, ca- uh, the salary cap doesn't apply to coaching contracts. Yes. So, which is why during the season, we I think both Mick and myself were shooting the you know making it clear that we wanted the Giants to pay up for Graham and they listened not to us but they understood what Joe Judge was telling them about how important he was to this entire thing and I'm, I'm sure they paid him a good chunk to, to to re-up with the Giants
3: and Dan and I have been clamoring for them to bring in a top-notch offensive line coach as well and that's because John Mayer has the money <laughs> and it doesn't affect the cap so all he has to do is fork this dough up anyways NHS Giants fan asks Hi, guys. UK listener here. Oh, thank you for listening. Great podcast this year. Love the way you're explaining the NFL jargon now. Learning loads. Too simple to say Garrett has been the issue this year. Last year, DJ looked far better. Never had all of his weapons. And a crooked running back.
2: I think crocked running back? Crocked? That, that might be a, a lost in translation from the UK. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Crocked might be a... a uh, sl- injured,
3: maybe? Is that what that means? Sla- sla- yeah,
2: I guess like that's yeah. slang for injured, maybe. Um, to answer your question... I don't I think it is too simple to say Jason Garrett was the issue for the 31st offense. There's no one person who's ever going to be the issue for the offense. I do think there can be one person who takes the offense to the next level, that's the quarterback, but in general I don't think one person is ever to blame or to give or to get all the credit for an offense's success. Now having said that, why did that, why did Daniel Jones look so much better in his rookie season than his second season i think big question needs to be answered there and i think that needs to be considered because it's not like the giants offensive line played better in his rookie year it actually played considerably worse in the entirety of his rookie season so when you consider the the the, de- the j- drop off in offensive line play the fact that you know the giants receiving core was basically the same thing it was in daniel jones rookie season as it is in second season now saquon barkley was out of the mix take on Barkley though again missed some games during the tw- during the 2019 season with a high ankle sprain and then had those first few games back where he wasn't really himself so yeah. I don't know how much I put in that excuse I also don't know how much I'll ever put on a running back's plate as far as how much an offense can do well or cannot do well so I think it's too simple to say would be my answer but I think again it goes back to what I said before I do believe Jason Garrett was the main culprit for why the offense was so inept
3: yes but it Dan already alluded to it so many people are to blame for that it's a collective game so it can't be assigned to just one person and as I've said plenty of times Saquon's presence definitely helps Daniel Jones even a hobbled Saquon and the games that he missed last year if I'm remembering correctly it was Minnesota New England and I I'm kind of I don't remember the other one Washington the game that they won I believe yes those were the games that Saquon Barkley left there might be did he did he miss four games I think he came back on his fourth and wasn't. I, I can't remember. Yeah, for they sure. won Washington. Wayne Gallman started it. Yes. And then they played Minnesota. Wayne Gallman got hurt on like the first drive. And they had to start John Hilleman up in New England, which was absolutely ridiculous. Something we don't want to see again, obviously. All right. Con Cierney. Seanery. Con Seanery. Damn it. All right. <laughs> I spell Sean with an H.
2: I respect that. There's multiple songs of Sean, but. If you see Con, you know it's a, sh- a play on Sean Ooh, Connery. No, no, I disab- I disagree.
3: Con could be a name in a in a different society. It could be, but when you see S <S-E-A-N-S-2> E, I'm just trying to speak my way out of this mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Con seanery asks any thoughts on Thomas's ankle surgery. We already kind of gave our insight onto that and how that might have impacted his play. Also, trade down from 11 if Smith, Chase, Waddle aren't there. I mean, I think. Dan and I are lockstep in the fact that we would love a trade down to acquire more late round picks and to get another stud that's going to be in the 20s or whatnot. But you need two to two to tango and Dave Gettleman also has not really shown a propensity to do that because he hasn't done that yet. I would love for him to do it because the Giants need depth and the more kicks at the can you have, the better opportunity you have to find an actual football player who can help your team.
2: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know how I feel about trading picks and acquiring more picks. I think more more so than usual, I'm probably less open to trading this specific pick, 11, than I normally would be, just because I feel like how this draft is going to fall, there's going to be three quarterbacks who are going to be selected before that pick. There might be a fourth, but there's definitely going to be three, and I think that either one of these receivers you mentioned, all of who I really, really like from an evaluation standpoint, Kyle Pitts, who I really, really like. And then also these tackles that I'm really falling for. I mean, some of these tackles, they look real deal. It's starting to look to me like a lot very similar to the tackle class we had this year. Now, there's going to be three, I think, in this class versus four last year. But if you could get two lockdown down tackles for the next 10 years on this offense, it's just very interesting to me. And then obviously the corners. So there's a lot of talent there. Having said that, a trade down, maybe just a few picks into the 15, 16, 17 range. I'm always in for that. As long as they feel that like they can still get a blue chip guy, I'm in for that. But I'm more actually interested in actually trading that second round pick. I think they should trade that second round pick 20 30 spots back and acquire those day 3 picks I was talking about yesterday or earlier on the podcast to have in their bank for so they can start, you know, loading up on that defense in the second on the, on the third day
3: i've heard so many good things about this tackle class as well and i just wanted to give the names that dan was kind of referencing Pene suel is going to be a top five pick he opted out he's a guy from oregon he's an absolute stud and then you have christian darasol from virginia tech rashawn slater from northwestern he opted out this season as well jalen mayfield from michigan and then liam Eichenberg from notre dame and alex leatherwood and i've also heard really good things about samuel i Cod- love cosme, cosme. yeah now I gotta get my eyes on the tape like I've said earlier but the things I've heard from people that I trust who really do a lot of scouting that's what they focus on they don't follow teams like Dan and I do with the Giants they seem to have positive things to say about all these guys so it, the, the, the Giants could even go right tackle I don't think they will but because I think they have a lot of a lot invested and a lot of interest in what Matt Parrot can be but these these guys can ball bro
2: Yeah I think ultimately as far as what you do in that situation you know you just drafted Parrot. I think that you can't you can't look at it as okay we drafted parrot we can't draft a right tackle we can't draft any offensive tackle because you have to understand something when you're drafting a tackle just outside pick 100 that's a project more times than not that pick is not going to work out you know that when you make that pick it's a position that is very (laughs) scarce in the nfl and if it's falling to that range it means you know there's a decent chance that it's not going to hit there's a, the odds are not really stacked at 100% in your favor. When you take an IDL there, like a defensive tackle, I know that like there's teams who have recently loaded up there. The Ravens just found someone really good. I'm forgetting his name now. In that range on the interior defensive line, you're going to have a much higher hit rate. So I don't think that should really stop them from doing it. If they do go in that direction, I think they could try to maybe convert pair to guard there's other options for him he can be a swing tackle you just don't know but i think it's definitely on the table um and ultimately one of those guys you mentioned might even fall to the second round where the giants pick and then just
3: be the ultimate value there yeah, they really could which would be something darren manny asks i've seen some mock drafts give the new york giants kyle pitts i don't like this idea but your opinion given the talk playmakers for Daniel Jones coming from the front office. Is this something you would consider if the big three wide receivers were off the board? Freaking love the show. Well, Darren, we thank freaking you. love you,
2: <laughs> Thank you, Darren. I appreciate the uh, that, for sure. Freaking love you for loving the show. As far as Pitts goes, this is an eye test thing for me right now. Like I've said earlier on this podcast, I haven't had time to really study all these guys, but Pitts is someone who's jumped off the screen to me literally every time I've watched Florida I've seen a lot of Florida this year and Kyle Pitts is the real deal it doesn't matter what position he plays I actually don't care they call him a tight end and people say oh we don't want another try Evan Ingram guy this is not Evan Ingram whatsoever he's nowhere close to Evan Ingram this is darren a better version a more athletic version of darren waller is what this is this is a receiver this is a guy who runs routes really well this is a guy who does has really good hands at the catch point this is a guy who has really good body control in the air this is a guy who also is really good in contested catch situations so this is more of a receiver and more of a football player than a athlete which is what evan ingram was so if you draft Kyle Pitts and you can't figure out how to use him, that's on you as a coordinator, and I am not at all opposed to potentially going Pitts at 11.
3: I second everything Dan just said, so there's no reason to repeat it. Giants Roddy Piper asks, Do you think Jones being forced not to run in those two or three games and practices leading up to them due to injury could benefit his pocket presence awareness since he had to use it? I think we brought this up uh, a couple shows ago. Yeah, we. I mean, I definitely agree with you, Giants Roddy Piper. I do believe that that could definitely help His ability to maneuver within the pocket because he doesn't have the option to run and that could definitely help him in the long run so i would agree yeah it's
2: interesting we saw it in those games when he came back from that injury jones looked a lot better in the pocket in my mind he was stepping up now of course to be able to do that you need to be afforded interior uh, interior integrity in the pocket and he was getting that he was getting that with the exception of obviously the reps we've talked about with shane lemieux and his struggles there there was really good interior integrity in that pocket i mean nick gates the job he did to keep those guys you know to keep the communication and the interior really strong and to keep the protection there strong throughout the season was impressive and jones did a much better job stepping up into the pocket instead of escaping to his right or even to his left and drifting which we've seen sometimes what he do when he's trying to throw back to his left side um and so it's possible that that kind of changed his mindset and he felt like you know in his head he's like i can't just that's a sign of pressure take off and try to use my legs to create something instead I got to remain more in the pocket for longer
3: or the times where he would flow right way too way too soon to be honest he would just roll right he had one or two routes going in that direction he totally is neglecting and ignoring the two routes to the other side of the field you just basically eliminate them the defense is going to flow with you and kind of help flood those zones he did that too and we were complaining about it so I definitely uh think it could have benefited him
2: all right we got one more question for today's show and there were a lot more questions so i think we're actually going to extend this bad boy into a part two of a mailbag so we get all of your questions in but this one's from tom glasspool longtime listener and fan of the show he says am i wrong to think adding a playmaker on offense a contested catch receiver maybe a right tackle and the solid edge presence this off season will make the giants a contender i don't think that there were so many pieces away i think just I think the pieces we do need have to be filled by high. I just think the pieces we do need have to be filled by high-impact players.
3: I agree with you, Tom Glasspool. I don't think the Giants are that far away. I think a lot of it is contingent on Daniel Jones' progression if he continues to ascend within this system. But if they did add, say, a receiver at 11, one of those dynamic receivers, or sign somebody like Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, and help shirt up that defense just a little bit, I believe this team could easily make the playoffs and win this division.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know exactly what we're considering contender. If you said make making the playoffs and win the division, I wouldn't call that a contender. A contender to me is someone who can win the Super Bowl. Um, I, I mean,
3: I don't. I think there's like, I mean, there's a hand. There's definitely more than a handful of teams that can win the Super Bowl. But it would be a monumental jump for the Giants to be that Super Bowl bound team next. I think that's season. what he's asking, though. Yeah. See, I, I'm not as positive with that. I think that would be a, a glass half full type of mentality i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility but we want to see a team that can win more than eight games right now obviously ideally you want to win the super bowl but it would be a jump for this team to go 10 and 6 9 and 7 because they just got done going 6 and 10 and missing out on the playoffs in one of the worst divisions we've ever seen
2: yeah i mean to answer your question tom i think it'll be less of a jump actually to go get to get to 10 and 6 next year with all these offseason additions assuming you know what like he said they can find three impact players at right tackle edge and receiver which is going to be hard to do i'm hoping they find one because even so it's hard you know unless you're getting going the free agent route a lot of these guys still need to develop even the rookies that you take high as freaky as they may look they still need to develop a lot of the time as we saw this year with andrew thomas um but i would say this as far as will all three of those moves if they can make them and win them make them a contender. It all depends on Jones for me. It all depends on Daniel Jones. If he takes a massive leap, I think the Giants can contend for a Super Bowl. If he does not take a massive leap, I don't think the Giants have any chance to contend for a Super Bowl. So they need more offense. You can't win in the NFL without a really good offense. As I alluded to earlier in that John Breach article, I can show it to any of you if you want, goes over the past five years. The game's changing. The teams that make the Super Bowl and the teams that win the Super Bowl are the teams with elite offenses, both efficiency-wise in the red zone be play-wise and overall you need offense to win in this league you could try to grind out wins you can try to be a grinded out team but you might you're going to leave such a small margin for error and you might end up like the Steelers one and done in the playoffs even the Browns who are a grinded out team who's probably going to be one win and then done in the playoffs you have to have some firepower and so ultimately like you said they're not as far away from competing I don't think at all I mean they're they're gunning to compete this year they have to make the playoffs this year and the, it's all been said it's all out there you don't give a regime five years you don't let a regime go four, four straight years with seven wins or a few or whatever six wins or fewer but as far as super bowl contender we'll have to say it remains to be said all right that's all we have for today's podcast on the mailbag we're going to do a part two of this mailbag and it'll gonna it's going to drop in a day from now We want to get all your questions in. Thank you for everyone who dropped in your questions. And for all of you who took the time to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, that's all we're ever going to ask you to do. If you haven't already done so, please go to iTunes, download, subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating and review. For any of you who have taken the time to give us a one-star review, we know there's always going to be haters of everyone and everything that everyone does in this world. But I just have to say, why did you take the time to give us a one-star review and hurt our show? Did you really have to do that? And if you're still listening now... Why are you listening if you don't like the show? So hopefully that's none of you. For everyone who hasn't, please rate, subscribe, review, download, and also head to Instagram. There's some great content going on there. We have some questions that we're going to rip off on the next show from some of you Instagram followers. NY Big Blue Banter on Instagram. That's NY Big Blue Banter. Thanks again to everyone tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.